Well, the story of Ruth is near and dear to my heart, perhaps because my professor from undergraduate and Hebrew class said, this year we are going to translate the entire book together. Or perhaps it was because I also had to write an extensive paper in graduate school on the story, studying all of the nuances that are there to find in it. But you don't need to be an academic or necessarily to be a scholar of Hebrew to sift out the beauty of this story, a story of commitment, of love and loyalty, but also a story of difficulty and trial. We have seen and been given an opportunity to see this text anew. The irony in this story that's fit within the language of the Hebrew is evident to anyone who might know the words of the Hebrew itself or to anyone who ventures to read the little cliff notes on the bottom of your Bible if your Bible has such. Of this family moving from the land of Bethlehem, another word for land of bread, <laughs> because of a famine that has struck. And they left the family and they took, the kids took Moabite wives, which I know all of you are scholars of the Old Testament and you remember the story from Numbers and a variety of other places like Deuteronomy, where they ban the Moabites completely from any opportunity to worship God. And in fact, God has some harsh criticism of some of the people of Israel who take Moabite wives and start worshiping Baal. To be a little bit more graphic within the language of the text, you have Milhion and Shilhion, meaning frail and sickly as their names. So it's no surprise that when they pass, they pass because they were frail and taken the enemy as their spouses. Friends, in some ways and shapes and form, we have found ourselves like this Jewish family of old that wandered into a land where they did not want to go and did not want to be throughout this pandemic. If I were to tell you a year and a half ago or any of the other pastors were to talk about it, how we would be going through a year and some months of not being able to worship in person, everyone would look at me like I was crazy sauce because it was just unimaginable. It was unimaginable even when I was living in North Carolina and we had this thing called snow that would come and ice would fill the ground, right? And we would take a Sunday off. Or here, if we were to get a threat of a hurricane where we would cancel service and say, stay home, those in themselves are unique blips within our year. But we could never imagine traveling to a land like the land of Moab. We would never find ourselves there, and more importantly, find ourselves finding some comfort amidst. And for some of us, it's been a difficult time, right? We've heard studies upon studies, I think news article upon news article that pops up of things we're realizing that we have gone through as a society due to the global pandemic one, in our physical bodies, but then two, in our emotional, social being as well. With more people, with isolation, with suicide rates, with adolescents that have been up, with drug abuse and alcohol abuse, that we in our society have gone through a lot together. And in many ways, we find ourselves like Naomi now. 
that we're returning back, but the place that we're returning from is not a place of joy into joy. It's a place of hardship into a place of uncertainty. Naomi had lost everything. She had lost her husbands. She had lost her two children. And now she was returning at the bottom of the social security net, a widow with no sons to take care of her. We're returning as a people to a place that's still uncertain. Some people's jobs have changed radically. Some people are going to be moving. Some people just don't know when we'll be able to take off our masks and give one another a hug in public again. And so in many ways, more than ever, we find ourselves within the story together. And so there Naomi was on her way back to the land of bread, encouraging her Moabite daughters daughters-in-law, to stay, because it was not going to be a welcoming place. And she says, return, shuv. Remember that Hebrew word that we've been talking about throughout the past number of weeks, return. Both a physical return and a spiritual return, return from your ways. And go where perhaps you have security with your family who will take care of you. And after encouragement and encouragement, Orpah finally takes heed to the words, but Ruth, Ruth doesn't. And it's really interesting within the Hebrew because there's this word return and this word home that are used over and over again. And Naomi says that to Ruth, just return home. And for many of us, that's what kind of we're hoping for, right? To return home. Because home isn't necessarily our physical house. Home is that sense of comfort, that sense of security, that sense of regular living that we once had prior to this season in our lives. Return home, she says. And to any sane person, that ought to be, yes, okay, I will do that, just like you said. But Ruth responds with a poem. And she responds also by shifting this understanding of home in very powerful and yet subtle ways. She says, I will not return home. I will return with you, and your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And where you will be laid to rest, where you will find your eternal home, I will be also. And Ruth makes a bold proclamation here. That home is not the place that once was or that experience that we once held on to as comfort and security, but home was in fact in this steadfast and loving relationship and commitment between these dear friends. 
That home was to be crafted within the context of their relationship to one another, not in a sense of security or even a sense of your nuclear family, which had all but fallen apart. I often preach upon the story of Ruth and Naomi when I speak at a wedding. Because I say your home is no longer the place that once was. Your home is now within the context of the faithful, loving commitment between a couple. To say, I will return not to safety and to security, but I will return with you wherever that home might be. Home is now found within the context of faithful and committed relationships. And, I, you know, throughout the past year, I would say that some of us are on a different spectrum of how we've experienced relationships. Some have been isolated, feeling lonely from those around us, and a return back from the pandemic is an opportunity to sit around and have coffee together or go out to a restaurant or to visit one another from, you know, wherever they might find themselves, whether it's here in Hawaii or mainland. But I also know stories of people that have been intricately woven together in probably more intimate ways than I had seen prior to the pandemic. People checking in on one another, making sure they're okay, being intentional about calling, quarantining, as some people called it, finding a particular small set that they were willing to pull off their masks and spend time together. And I know that we're on the spectrum. That for some of us, we've had some of those friends that have really been our lifeline throughout this pandemic. And for others of us, we are still longing to be back with friends, or many of us have moved or experienced significant transitions during this time and are longing for a time when we can just make those friends in the place that we find ourselves. And one of my worries, like I said, the return from the pandemic is what were the series we're in. And one of my worries for us is a worry that we are a busy people, that we fill our agendas with our tasks and our to-dos, our travels and our family reunions and all the graduations that we find ourselves in, all the things that build up into our schedule that were set aside throughout the pandemic because we couldn't do those in the same way. And that as we return to normal life together, that we might forget to be intentional not just about social gatherings with people, but about these deep, meaningful, and intimate relationships. The relationships were what we can call steadfast love, where you can share something about yourself without the worry of judgment, where you can feel healthy and whole in your own skin without being insecure about yourself because you know that the other across the table from you just loves you the way you are now. 
And so as we return, I think the story of Ruth and Naomi and their unique friendship encourages us to keep what's most important, most important as we come back to life as normal. Because we all know the phrase, let me check my calendar. (laughs) And for the past year, it's been, my calendar's open. (laughs) But we weren't able to do anything about it. Our calendars are filling up. Camps are going back in session for our keiki. People are getting on the planes. You call one of our restaurants in Kailua Town and they're completely full and inundated by tourists. It's hard to even find a spot at your favorite restaurant to eat with your friends. In many ways, things are back. How do we prioritize those friendships? And if you don't have those friendships, how do we seek them out and know what they look like? They certainly don't look like ones where you're feeling like you have to be part of a scene to compete, to show them your self-worth. But they're friendships that you can give one another a hug, that you can sit down with them and tell them about the year and how hard it may or may not have been for you. And friends, that's what the church is all about, right? Or should be. That's what we call fellowship. One of the key markers of what it means to be a Christian is to love God, to love one another, and to serve the world. So how do we do that together? And one of the most difficult components of being a pastor throughout the pandemic is I can't help you organize that on your own. Because for us to organize means we have to encourage the social gatherings and some people are included and other people aren't. But you know one thing that each one of you can do and we've been told it's safe is call a friend or reach out to someone next to you after service and say, let's go take a walk on the beach or meet for coffee outside. Each one of us has the opportunity to live out that together, to fellowship with one another. And friends, I think that's an opportunity. Because all too often, you want to know what people say when they come to a place like church after not being there for a long time, or when they think of a place like church, is they think of a place where they have to pretend that they're something that they don't think they are, pretend that they're perfect, or that their life's not difficult. Because when someone says hi to you, how are you doing? The answer at a church service always ought to be, I'm fine, how are you? But when we gather around the table or around those micro tables together, that should never be our answer. We should be able to say, you know, it's really hard right now because I find myself trying to care for my, or be part of my family and my friends group, but I have aging parents that I'm, I'm walking alongside and they have all sorts of appointments and someone has to drive them to them. 
Or, you know, it's hard right now because I lost a loved one and I wasn't able to go to a funeral because it was back mainland and I didn't feel ready to travel. Or perhaps it's a joyful thing. I'm looking forward to being with my new granddaughter or grandson or celebrating graduation and being able to do at least something for it, like a drive-through graduation party. Whatever we do as we return, let us let the example of Ruth and Naomi guide us that we ought not look for the security and the comfort that we had before. But we ought to look for those meaningful and deep relationships. Because for some of us, we've been given the blessed gift of a reset button. (laughs) And if you are on social media and you've seen some of the the jokes and memes that are out there, you, you know that one of the jokes and memes that are out there is, I'm not ready to return from the pandemic because I had a good excuse not to hang out before, right? And you might not have that excuse anymore, but what you can do is be intentional about the people that are life-giving and the people that you can share that steadfast love with one another. And let us pray that we are that sort of people. So I invite you to invite someone to coffee for a walk to spend time with the sort of person that you can share that fellowship that Ruth and Naomi have. The steadfast love that becomes home. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we know that we find ourselves busy in life. Whether it's the sports and the activities for our kids, caring for our loved ones, trying to build back customers and a business after the pandemic, or new workloads that are now added because it was a strange load in our profession. And as we move back, let us need relationships. Relationship with you and relationship with one another. And not just the superficial ones, but the ones that proclaim, like Ruth and Naomi, we can make our home here. That our safety and security is not in the things we have, our social influence, our retirement funds, but in those relationships where we can cry together, where we can laugh together, where we can celebrate together. So let us reflect on the words of the song, I need you. We need one another and inspire us to reach out, to prioritize our time and our energy 
for meaningful and deep relationships with one another. Amen.